discuss the third topic of the harms of your local electric company, I will move on to explain how the electric company generally treats its customers as indentured servants. An indentured servant is a person placed under a work contract without pay for a definite amount of time, historically for about seven years. I believe this time limit today has expanded to cover an average of a working lifetime and most of us are forced to endure this indentured service. When you move into an apartment or house, you are handed at least two things for sure, your keys and the phone number for the local electric company. The electric meter has already been installed for you and you are expected and most times required to activate your electric service with your local electric company. Oftentimes the service is already on, awaiting a transfer into your name. This is the textbook example of forcibly being placed under contract as you are not being given the choice of 1. not to get the electric service and 2. who or what source to get this service from. You see choice is the only thing that determines if you live in a free society and in a free market choice helps regulate prices since corporate benevolence has historically not worked very well to this end. This contract you've been placed under is quite longer than the seven years of old. This contract is basically permanent for the foreseeable future. If you move, the process will likely only repeat in another area with another single electric company. Once in this contract, you will have to produce an income high enough to pay for your ever-increasing electric bill and every other bill on time every month practically for life, only to receive a service that costs the electric company pennies on each dollar that they deliver to you. The logic for their justification to charge you what they want is simple. Electric companies engage in construction projects. They are allowed to make a profit on those. Then all along they generally charge at least two fees for their electric service, an infrastructure fee and the basic electricity fee. So you basically get double charged, once for them building infrastructure and again for the service. This is analogous to your plumber charging you for the service she provided and then charging you again for part of her monthly payments on her vehicle. Additionally, you lack choice to switch electric companies and the abusive rates and fees that you are made to pay without hope of doing anything about it put you in a position similar to indentured service. These factors oblige you to pay a portion of your income to a permanently assigned lord. The electric company employees from top to bottom register this extreme power imbalance at the realization that you are powerless and the electric company has you by your genitals. They naturally engage in a master and slave or lord and serve relationship with you where you are clearly the slave, the serve or pauper. This dynamic is more than evident when you call your electric company with any complaint or discrepancy with your bill. Many times the electric company employs call centers dedicated to taking angry customers calls. These call centers are often people that have nothing to do with the electric company other than collecting their paycheck and are just contractors or subcontractors trained to take calls and convince you into having your meter read read or convince you for you to adjust your personal electricity usage. Basically they are there to calm you down and have you pay what you owe the electric company, often right there over the phone. There are countless horror stories about the relationship of customers and their electric company. 
I have had several of these awful experiences myself. For example, I once had a working and connected on-grid solar panel system and was using a non-electric stove and clothes dryer for many months. Yet I noticed my electric bills were higher than before I began to use these energy saving technologies. And when I called to complain about this huge discrepancy, I was dismissed and blamed for having used more energy than before. On more than one occasion, I called complaining of extremely high power bills. At this time, though I lived in an area that produced nuclear power, therefore I thought energy should have been more affordable. But only after I threatened with disconnection did they actually lower my electric bill to what I was actually using, proving that they were in fact overcharging me all along. To further show you the rage that exists out there against the electric companies, here are just a few of the comments left in an online rating platform called Yelp.com. These comments are about the local electric company here in Georgia called Georgia Power, a subsidiary of the giant energy conglomerate Southern Power. From Jill G. from Smyrna, Georgia, wrote on 10-23-2020, they tried to say I let my electric bill double up and didn't pay. Thank God for online banking so I could disprove this lie. How many other people have they stolen from? I wish I had another company to choose from besides this corrupt joke. From Robin K. from Gurney, Illinois, wrote on February 17, 2019. They are the most corrupt utility company I have ever dealt with and I have lived all over the world. I had over $700 a month electric bills and they did not work with me at all. I wish we had a choice of power companies because I would never use them. Just FYI, they are thieves. From Robert B. from Key Largo, Florida, wrote on 6-8-2022, promised to turn our power on today, said it was guaranteed, spoke to them multiple times. Here it is dark at 9 p.m. and they never showed, didn't call us either. Terrible company with zero customer service. Shannon W. from Beaufort, Georgia, wrote on July 28, 2022, our power bill was more expensive than what most people pay, so we called just to figure out what we should expect to pay each month for our one bed one bath. And Brian was absolutely no help at all and extremely rude. I am very unsatisfied with this company. In all honesty, I believe these negative comments are the norm, not the exception. On this particular company's comment section on this website, Yelp.com. I chose this website because it seems to be among the most popular and least censored where customers can share their experiences even when they are negative ones. And since the oldest post is from 2008, from 140 electric company customer reviews, the absolute overwhelming amount was negative, rated as 1 out of 5 stars. There are often detailed reviews that share intimate and hardworking experiences. For example, Tani B. from Auburn, Washington wrote on 2-14-2023, let me be clear that I am a permanent and totally disabled veteran. Even though I fell behind with my payments last year, it was very tough for me and my family. And he goes on on a lengthy tirade. I have major health issues and if necessary I can provide the paperwork. By having me do cash only, meaning the customer cannot use other more convenient methods of payment like mail, checks or online payments. When I have multiple brain conditions and not a damn care in the world on how hard it is to manage that. Eight specialists, an adult child with ADHD, a child who is a minor, who was hit by a school bus, 
physical therapy, thyroid surgery, etc. all happened last year and that is just a few things. But again, they don't give a damn. And the review goes on for a few more paragraphs, but you get the point. Other review websites have just as negative reviews about the electric company, like the following. Nassard from Atlanta, Georgia wrote on consumeraffairs.com March 23, 2023, had a bad experience with them and their customer service in regard to extra fees, and they think it's warranted. Of course, they think and because they are a big corporation, nobody is going to call them out on their unreasonable additional charges. And that too, for no effort on their end, $50 probably to press a button, plus the customer service rep speaks over you like you took their money. Be better. Ashley from Savannah, Georgia wrote on ConsumerAffairs.com on 11.04.2022. I absolutely hate Georgia Power. They take advantage of being the only option that we have for electricity services. I call customer service 10 times and each time they will tell me something completely different. They are only concerned about money and will do unethical things to get the money. They transfer credits without permission. They make it hard for me to get my credit returned to me and they don't care. I contemplate moving just to get away from Georgia Power. I absolutely hate how they handle business and once an employee of theirs makes a mistake at your expense, guess what? You're stuck paying more with no other options given. There is no such thing as customer service. I have plenty of experiences of my own with the electric companies I have been a customer for here in the southeast of the United States and in the Caribbean. I have lived so far in the Dominican Republic, Florida, Texas, Georgia, Alabama, and Kentucky. When I was growing up in the Dominican Republic, I experienced electrical power outages or blackouts quite often and was mostly daily when the power went off or as we called it, se fue la luz, the light is gone. In fact, in the evenings and nights, power almost always went out for at least a few hours. I estimate there was an electric power crisis in many parts of the mostly impoverished city of Santo Domingo from the moment electricity was available and into the early 2000s. Power generation, I presume, could not satisfy the demands of the growing population there, many of whom were poor peasants flocking into the city and could not pay. Both of my parents and their families had migrated into the city this way. As a child, I recall hearing conversations and reports of widespread non-payment of electric services, as well as mismanagement and corruption within government. I lived in a slum, so perhaps most people there received rationed electrical services, which were largely unbuilt and most people I lived around were very poor and hardly made enough money to pay for food and keep a roof over their heads. I don't recall witnessing or hearing about my parents, neighbors, or my friends' parents routinely making payments to the electric company during those years, and I assume most of the population of that city were in similar economic situations, as very few, per my experience, were affluent. Complaints during the power outages were abound. Because of the loud cries of disappointments I often heard when the power went out, and the many reports on the TV and radio of the rolling blackouts that crippled many parts of the city and its economy. Curiously, I did not mind blackouts much. I was born into them, and considered them as normal as the stars being seen at night. 
In fact, the dark Dominican night sky of the 1980s was peppered with brilliant stars and sprayed with seemingly millions of tiny white dots in the background, as if a deep black canvas was very lightly sprayed with brilliant white paint. Blackouts also brought the relaxing peace and silence that is now utterly absent in that city. Blackouts also made my creativity shine bright, inspiring me under candlelight to put down on paper my thousands of dreams, ideas, and concerns in vibrant color. Some of these scribbles and sketches I still preserve, while others have unrecognizably evolved. Blackouts also allowed for children's story time, intimate conversations, relaxing songs, and joyful play within my family. All these instantly disappeared when the lights suddenly came on and the noise and bustle returned. Blackouts allowed the neighborhood's children to engage in healthy outdoor play, which allowed me and many other children to explore places and relationships in the relative safety and privacy of the Dominican gloom. That period of the late evening where light is scarce but not yet dark, when we seem to get a rush of life to perhaps wrap up our day's purpose. It was largely during this time that adults and children engaged in life at home after a hard day of work or school. As blackouts became less frequent, so did these positive experiences which I was so fortunate to have. The draw of the relatively recent technologies of television, radio, recorded music, and video games drew every child and adult's attention away from each other and into their respective living rooms and devices. Shiny stars and running surrounds were replaced with shiny eyes and faces fixed on lit screens. These were the good times in the darkness of blackouts, but there were other not-so-good effects, I am sure. Perhaps these interruptions caused the economic stagnation of much of the Dominican Republic in those decades. Robberies and other crimes occurred, in part helped by the early darkness, I'm sure. I recall my father being on edge one night as he thought someone may eminently break into our home. Blackouts surely slowed down tasks to be done during dark hours, such as cooking, dishwashing, and schoolwork. Schoolwork. But not by much, I don't think. Candlelight was most always available, and the limited light at night, I believe, brought everyone better sleep and health. The Dominican blackouts of the 1980s and the early 1990s that I lived through were surely not without controversial management of the seemingly critically limited available electricity. The Faro a Colón was an international construction monument mega project conceived since the 1920s and started construction in 1986 in my home island. It is a monument to colonialism and European Catholic Christianity. It is a powerful lighthouse that beamed light onto the sky with such potency that the Christian cross shaped by light beams reflected from the clouds could be seen from over 100 kilometers away. The building structure is a huge ziggurat-like cross-shaped mausoleum with tons of high-grade cement and steel and lined with intricate and expensive stonework and artifacts. It is said that the city was plunged into darkness whenever the lighthouse was turned on during the testing stages of the construction prior to its inauguration. I recall vividly listening to the outraged murmurs and angry comments about it. A lighthouse being built with several tens of millions of 1982 US dollars and taking many millions of watts of power to run while much of the city languished in poverty, filth, abuse, squalor, and darkness. A city with no widely available healthcare, 
social safety nets and rampant joblessness was engaging in lavish and arguably useless pyramid building. It was reported that tens of thousands of families and individuals were evicted from areas in and surrounding the project grounds before and during construction, and tens of thousands more were evicted for road and city beautification efforts in preparation to the coming 1992 quincentennial celebration of the discovery of the Americas. It seems the time it took for the project to be built is right in line with the laborious exercise in ignorance that it also took to go ahead with it. Ignoring the exuberantly high cost of the project, which were taken away from the needs of an entire nation, ignoring the blackouts, the poverty and the joblessness, ignoring the silencing and shooting of protesters, and ignoring the fact that the project was made to glorify the colonizers that enslaved and committed genocide. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please look for the next episode soon, and please ensure to share this with your friends and family. And please like this content and subscribe as a sign of support, and for me to continue to provide this type of content to more people like you. Lastly, if you wish to support this content further, please visit the links provided in this publication. Thank you.